Well, this is Elevate. We are here every Friday, 7 p.m. Today's Good Friday, but every Friday is good when you know Jesus, right? Amen. All right. Now we have some prizes. No. Oh, yeah. Elevate. 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 Let me see this side. Hold on. Let's see what side is that. See, this side got more people. So why is that? That always happens, right? All right, let's see if this side got it. Elevate. Elevate. Oh, uh, see. I don't know if this is a competition. I think this side is going to take it. Elevate. I'll give y'all one more chance. I won't even give them twice. I'll give y'all one more. You ready? Hey, ready? Elevate. Oh, it's pretty even. I don't know. We're all one in the body of Christ, so it's just even. Let's just say that. Let's just say it's a tie. All right, prizes. Bronze. One visitor, one night. What do you get? Yell it out. Candy, candy, candy. Yeah, you get candy for both you guys. The person who brought them and the person who's there. Uh, silver, five visitors, one night. $100 gift card. You don't want it? Give it to me. Amen. Or people, or any of your leaders, for that matter. They'll take it. I think Jerry will take it. Jerry likes coffee, so take her out on a coffee thing. Gold, eight visitors, Friday in life groups in one month. You get a pizza party. Now raise your hand if you like pizza. Now, everybody's who's, now everybody who's hands down, you're lying or you're a vegetarian. Amen. And platinum, most visitors before July 3rd. You get a scholarship to EMT, which is the Elevate Mrs. Trip to New Orleans. New Orleans, baby. Get, get real uh, southern down there, yeah, you know? All right. Next we got Infusion Night, April 17th. Woo, make some noise. That sounds nice. Word of our testimony, Infusion Night. If you love Infusion Night, let me hear you make some noise because I love when you make noise. Oh, that's like music to my ears right there. One more time. All right. Our vision here is loving God, loving people. If you don't love people, then you probably got a problem loving God. Amen. Uh, what we like to do here, we like to connect you to the cross. We're going to get you plugged into the church, plugged into our life groups, plugged into different things in the church. Get you coming here, loving it. Next, we're going to get you mentored to live like Jesus. One-on-one is a one-on-one -on -one thing. You go through, uh, with the mentor, you go through different lessons in our book. We got a discipleship book. And then you get into 201 where you train to be a leader for Jesus and just repeat the process. Yeah, let's make some noise for elders and deacons and everybody who's in leadership in church. Noise sounds good this time. Send. We want to send you out to make disciples. Uh, basically what I said at the end. Repeat the process. Make more disciples. Disciples making disciples. Making disciples. Making disciples. Amen. Amen. Our goal here. We want 50 churches in Chicago. 100,000 disciples. And 500 churches worldwide. If you believe that, let me get the loudest amen you can say. Woo! One more time. Amen. All right, can you guys stand to your feet? We're going to prepare for tithes and offerings. So, what's the tithe? 10% of your total income. 
Ooh, 10% total income. Okay. And what's an Hey, man, give them a round of applause for getting it correct. They exceeded my expectations, hey, man. I'm just kidding. What's 10% of $73.75? Oh, $0.35. Cents. Oh, my gosh, I got it wrong. Oh, look at Joe thinking he's smart. Okay, now, listen, listen. If you fail, you have to go sit in the back, okay? All right, what is it? It's $7.33. Is that correct? $7.33, hey! You can, you can stay, you can stay there, you can stay there. All right, now everybody repeat after me, Acts 20.35, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you just bringing us all here, Lord, and allowing us to fellowship with you, God, and just understand who you truly are, Lord. And we pray that you anoint the lips of the preacher, of the woman of God who's going to come up here and lay it down for these people, Lord. And we pray, Lord, in your mighty name. Amen. Come forward as you give. guys doing by the way that is m one of my favorite bands of all time if you don't know who that is it's red that's right amen all right i'm just gonna start us off with a prayer i'm gonna let the lord speak all right uh father god we come before you today we are so excited to be here god we are excited for your word god the word that you're gonna bring forth lord i just pray that you would anointed and just help me to say everything that you want these students to hear God I pray that each person that's here is just coming with a heart of excitement to know you more to just get deeper into your word and to know what you say Lord God and I just pray that every heart would be open tonight Lord to hear straight from you God we just love you so much and we just praise your name in Jesus name amen who was here last week didn't Pastor Ellie bring it down? That's right. And we're going to continue on. No, just kidding. Well, yeah, actually we are. Um, so Pastor Ellie was talking a lot about just, he, he was bringing forth that word, you know, saying like, hey, we got to get out of these places that we've been. We need to have that heart after God. We need to, to just be moved and motivated. And that's why tonight I want to talk about defining moments. Now, as, I'm, as, I as I was preparing for this, I used to say this phrase all the time, It'll either a trial will either defeat you or it will define you. 
And really, I want to change that a little bit because I want to say that a trial can either defeat you or it can refine you. And that's to say that we each go through trials. I mean, if you guys think that you are the only one with problems, wait till you get a husband or a wife and a house and children and an education and you have car payments and you've got house payments and the water heater breaks and you have to use your neighbor's shower you know like come on like life gets real the older you get you've got more responsibilities you got more things and i'm not making light of the things that you guys are going through because the things that you guys go through are real but you can't let those trials and those things in your life defeat you and beat you down because God has called us to be more than conquerors. And I want to talk to you about a couple people uh, in the word of God. Uh, Who knows who David was? Has everybody heard the story of David and Goliath, right? Have you read it? All right. Well, in 1 Samuel, it talks about David going up against Goliath, right? And everybody is scared. Like all these very brave, brilliant warriors are going up against these Philistines and this colossi, this giant, is standing in front of them calling them out. And nobody wants to go up against them. Not one person. David was probably about 14 years old at this time. And he's like, I'll do it. And uh, <laughs> I, just, I just love this moment. In, it's in Samuel 17. You guys can go there, but you don't have to. I'm just going to read it to you. And he says, let me find it, sorry. Goliath says to him, am I a dog? He roared at David that you come at me with sticks. And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. David wasn't afraid of the giant in his life. He wasn't afraid of what people said about him, how small he was, the things that he did. He wasn't afraid to face a giant in his life because he knew who God was. And he knows who God is in this passage. And he knows that even though he's small, God is greater. And in that moment, he could have said, I'm so small I'm so weak. I'm just a little guy, and all I got is this little sling and this little stone, and I'm just like everybody else. No! David runs.
runs out there, whips the thing, chucks it at the guy in the head, and the guy goes down, and he cuts off his head and holds it up. He wasn't defeated. He was redefined in that moment. And then, who knows who Saul is? Yeah? Saul was the king over that time. But David had been anointed king in secret. But even David wouldn't touch Saul. Saul chased him. Saul tried to kill him with a spear more than once. Again and again and again, he chased him down into a desert. David was hiding in caves, and the Lord delivered Saul into his path twice. His enemy was put in his path where he could have killed him. And you know what? He said, I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointed. I'm not going to do it. Because God put him in that place. But this is the guy who's chasing him down, trying to get him, like, anyone see the 300? Tries to put him in a, back him into a corner, and yet God got him out every time. But he still wouldn't touch him. Talk about a trial. I mean, we think about the things that we go through. People call you names because you're a Christian. People tell you, oh, there's the ghost of the church kid. Like, praise God. I hope they say that about you. I hope they call you the church kid on Facebook. I hope that they pick on you for Jesus Christ's sake. Not because I want them to bully you, but because it means that your life is standing out, that you are different. You're saying it's all about Jesus, and then you have to know what God says about you, that he calls you a child of God, that he calls you important, that he says you were made for more than this. It doesn't matter what they say. It matters what I say. Because in the end of all things, you're going to stand in front of God, and you're going to give an account of your life. It doesn't matter what they've said, because they're going to give God an account of their life. Anyone know who Stephen is and not the, not the deacon in this place? In the book of Acts. Anyone know? Anyone read the book of Acts? One person. <laughs> uh, the book of Acts will change your life if you read it. It's amazing. Stephen was a disciple, and he was a deacon in the church. He was basically put up to help clean off tables and serve people. And yet when people, men started arguing with him, they couldn't stand up against the wisdom of God that he had. They were so upset, they drug him into court and made him defend himself in front of a whole slew of law, lawgivers, basically. And he tells them everything from like the beginning of Moses to, to when Jesus Christ came and died. And you know what? He never backed down. They killed him. They stoned him to death because of his faith in God, because he knew what the word Christian means. It meant Christ-like. Christian is just another word for Christ-like. The Romans gave it to the Christians of that time because they called them little Christs. It was, it was supposed to be demeaning. And yet these people took it seriously because they're like, well, who are we modeling our life after? Christ, right? 
Stephen activated his faith. He was put in a place where he had every opportunity to buckle and fall and say, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't believe in Jesus, but he didn't. He could have been defeated in that moment, but he was redefined in that moment because he knew what was important and he counted the costs. And that's the thing. When we get to that moment in those trials when maybe your family doesn't agree with what you believe, maybe your family puts you down because you love Jesus, maybe your friends are picking on you at school, I mean, it happens. There are things that we have to give up. When I decided to follow Christ, I had to give up things almost immediately. I had to break up with the person I was dating. I totally gave up everything that I had been doing before because I heard the call of God. And I was so tired of living my life the way that it was. And I tell you what, it was just an altar call like we do here. I fell to my knees, and I raised my hands, and I said, Jesus, it's all about you, and I surrender. I don't care what it costs me. And that moment forward, I never looked back. But what about us? What about the rest of us? What about the time when your boss is trying to tell you to to lie? Something so simple, like, oh, just tell him I'm not here. But you are here. I don't want to deal with the sales call. Well, I'll figure out something else to say, but I ain't going to say that because that's a lie. And I don't want to be a liar. And these things, like people's words hurt the worst. They cut the deepest, especially the friends and the people that are closest to you will say the nastiest things, and they will cut you so deep to your core that all you can do is say, God, is that true? Do I really, am I really that worthless that even my mom would put me down? That the people who should believe in me the most don't? Because that's real and that hurts real. But we have to stand on what God thinks and not what we think or anyone else says about us because we are not defined by what other people think. We are defined by what God thinks and who he says we are. And sometimes your leaders will even say something, but it's, we have to trust our leadership too because sometimes they're not, most of the time, in this church especially, I know for a fact That we don't say anything unless it's going to bring about for your good. And sometimes it hurts a lot, but it's, it's a refining. There's a refining fire that we have to go through in order to come out as pure gold. And we have to think about what God thinks. You know, in Psalm 27, 10, it says, Though father and mother forsake me or abandon me, The Lord will receive me and hold me close. We have to stand on that. There's in one translation it says, when my father and mother forsake me. It doesn't say if they do, it says when they do. We don't all have the best home life. We got jacked up families, we got jacked up past, we have jacked up decisions that we've made that have caused us to be where we're at or the things that we struggle with. Sometimes it's not outside elements, sometimes it's our own choices. 
But do we live in that defeat? Do we live in that place where we never get out of it? No. Sometimes we have to be refined and redefined. There's a pastor in this church, her name's Vanessa, and she's, she's one of my biggest inspirations. And when she was in high school, she got a little PA system. She stood out on the quad, she set it up, she stood on her little soapbox, and she preached the gospel to all of Lane Tech. People shunned her, people called her that church girl, people like spat on her, and yet she still stood there and preached the word of God. Because she knew what was important, it didn't matter what they said. She was defined by being a child of God. Do you have sin in your life holding you back? Is your vanity and your pride holding you back? Are you too good for God? Are you too good to get on your knees in front of a holy God, raise your hands and say, here I am, Lord. I don't have it all figured out. I don't have it all figured out. I don't know what I'm going to do. All I know is that you called me out of my darkness and into the light. You called me for greater things, and I don't even know what that is yet, but I'm willing to go the distance. And that's all he asks for is a total surrender. Because I can tell you the day that I did that, I died. And I was not who I was anymore. I didn't struggle with the sins I dealt with before. And yeah, there was a refining process. I had a lot of pride. I was a total, I, I call it ageism. I had ageist pride. Vanessa was actually the discipler in my life. And she was about 22 at the time. And I was about 27 at the time. And I was like, who is this girl? This little girl, 22, trying to tell me how to live. I grew up in church. I know all this stuff. And you know what? God just humbled me. And he's like, she is a woman of God, and she's been serving the Lord. She's been serving me longer than you have. Sometimes we hold ourselves back because we worry so much about what other people think. I don't want to get to my knees. I don't want to raise my hands in worship because all these people are around. Nobody's looking at you except you. And it's so much freedom in that. That could be your redefining moment, your breakthrough. No longer holding those things back. You know, there was a, there was a rich man who went to Jesus and he goes, well, Jesus, how do I get to heaven? Well, don't curse, don't lie, don't steal. You know, honor your father and mother. Well, I've been doing that since I was a boy. Okay. Go sell everything you own, and then you can come follow me. Go sell it all. And it says the man went away sad because he had so much wealth. Jesus pinpointed the idolatry of his heart. And in that moment, he was defined, and he was defeated. His defining moment was his defeat. Because he said, my money is worth more than God. You know, because we sometimes we're such external people, we worry so much about what people think of us. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that those who put their hand to the plow and look back are not fit for the kingdom of God. 
If I'm walking the walk of faith, but then I'm still dwelling on the things I did back in my icky, sinful past, and I want to go back there, he says, this kingdom is not for you. Jesus, I thought you wanted everybody to come to you. He does. But it comes at a cost. And it's a real cost. I mean, he's not playing around with people. That The rich man walked away, and Jesus didn't go after him. I'm like, please come back. Just serve me. Just love me. Just come on. You can do it. No, he's like, he's not fit. Let him go. Hopefully he, he turned his life around and he, he got right, you know. But it costs you something. I can tell you that um, we all love being in a relationship. We, we love the gooeyness, and we love how somebody treats us and what they say. And, oh, you're so beautiful, and you're so pretty, and you make me feel so good inside. And I got butterflies every time I think about him. And he gave me a little teddy bear, and I love flowers. And he says I'm the most beautiful. I mean, come on, and it's true. Even you guys, you know, like, she thinks I'm a stud. <laughs> Look at these guns. He's flexing in the morning. He's making sure he looks nice. I'm going to see her today. Come on, y'all know you flex in the mirror in the morning. Psh, I got brothers, I know. And... And it does. It does feel good. God is a relational God. That's why he made us. He doesn't want us walking around defeated, but it, can you imagine if you woke up every day being like, God thinks I'm great. God thinks I'm beautiful because he made me, and God doesn't make junk. It says he made everything good. Man, what kind of defining or redefining moment would that be for each of us to know that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us and walks with us every day and constantly is encouraging us, even when people say that we're no good. It's like, I don't know what you're talking about, but Jesus says I'm awesome. (laughs) That's how I live. (laughs) Okay, most days, not every day. But I can tell you that the day I chose to follow Jesus, I had to give up a relationship that was very dear to me. And I thought before, because I moved here from Arizona, and I thought I was going to spend my life with this person after I got done with Chicago. I don't know what I was thinking. But um, I had to call him up on the phone, and I wept. And I said, I can't, I can't be with you anymore, ever. Because I decided I love Jesus. And I, and I, I want to serve him. And I want you to love Jesus, but I don't want you to love Jesus for me. I want you to love Jesus for you because I don't want you to die and go to hell. And I really said this on the phone. And I'm weeping because I'm like, we'll never be together. And if you want to come see me, that's okay. But you have to see me under the chaperone of my parents' house. I'm 28 years old, (laughs) or about 27 years old at the time, and I'm telling him he can't see me unless he comes to my parents' house because I can't be alone with him because I love Jesus, and I'm not going to compromise. 
And in the beginning, he was understanding, but after that, I got all these nasty text messages. I can't believe you don't care about me. I can't believe that you think uh, this about me. I can't believe that, you know, with all this stuff, and I can't believe that you would have me have a chaperone. I'm almost 40 years old, blah, 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 blah. And I was crushed. And I remember sitting, I had this little shoebox of an apartment. It was a little studio on in uh, Edgewater. And I remember just sitting there, just weeping after this phone call and getting these text messages. And I just sat there. And I said, I get it, Lord. Now I know what sacrifice means. Sacrifice means giving up something you love so much for you. Because I think about Jesus and his defining moment saved us all. His defining moment said, I will take the cross because I love them so much. And it's about your will, God, and not mine. And I don't care that they're going to spit on me and they're going to choose to crucify me even though I'm sinless. They're sheep without a shepherd and I see them and they're lost and I love them and I will die. That was his redefining moment. Well, really his defining moment. And that's where we all have to come to. Because you have a choice in every trial that you face. Will it defeat you or will it refine you? Will you become more Christ-like or will you become Christ-less? In Timothy, it says, God did not give us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. You are more than conquerors. But you have a choice in every situation whether it's going to defeat you and are you going to let the weight of this world crush the joy out of you? Will you let sin overtake your life? Or will you tell sin to go stick it and go back to hell where it came from? Because it's not for you. Hell is not for you. Hell was not created for you. It was created for the devil and his fallen angels. It was never meant for people. But without Christ, that's where we go. And that's hard. Because I don't want anyone to go there either. Be refined. Allow God to refine you. Do not let your pride and your arrogance keep you from the things God is trying to do in you, in your heart, in your soul, in your person. Even Job says, but he knows where I am going. And when he tests me, I will come out as gold. Part of the refining process is a burning process, and it, it's painful, but it's so good. Because the things that held you back yesterday don't hold you back anymore. Be redefined. Know who God says you are. 
James tells us that faith without deeds is dead. And now we have to walk out our faith. It's not just, oh, I love Jesus, but I'm going to go live like awful the rest of the week. You know, it's like, no, you have to put your faith into motion. You've got to put it into practice. In Romans, he tells us to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I tell you what, if it hadn't been for the discipleship in my life, I would still be the jacked up person I always was. I wouldn't have the most amazing husband that I could ever have. He's amazing. But that's because God did a work in my life. I would have never deserved a man like Tony. Never, because he was serving God. And I was a jacked up heathen. But God did a work in me, and if it weren't for the refining moments, saying, you know what, this is this, this stinks, God, and I don't want to do it. And he was like, do it. And I'm like, okay. Okay, I'll just be obedient, because he says obedience is better than sacrifice. Be obedient to God. You know, when people say, oh, well, you're this way and you, you're that way, and, you know, they're trying to tell you who you used to be, you just tell them that you belong to Jesus. Have it out with the devil. You know, I've had to do it in my car. I've totally done it. Devil, you will not defeat me. You do not own me. You do not own anything that I own because I belong to Jesus. So you can go back to hell where you came from because I am a child of God. And I am not going to let this take me down because he paid it all. And some of you need to get that in your spirits today. Some of you need to get that in your heart today to say, I am not going down without a fight because my God has already won. Because Jesus paid it all. And he's already won the victory. I want you guys to just take that in. Please stand with me. And I just want you guys to meditate on that. If not in this moment, definitely when you get home, you know, I'll give you the scripture verses that I was referencing. You guys can search it for yourself. And if you haven't read your Bible in a while, I, I just dare you to pick it up and know what God says and know what he says about you. You need to have a refining, redefining moment. If you're stuck in a pity patty party where you're just putting yourself down all the time, you need to open up the word and see what God says. Because he didn't die for junk. He died for people. And he died for people that he loved. People that had worth and value. And if you've forgotten your worth and value, then you need to find it again. Because God is good and he loves you. And in this season of, of the resurrection, you know, he died and he rose again on that third day. Not for junk, for people. Oh, Jesus. God, just bow your heads with me as we just get into that presence. And I want you guys to, if you guys just feel that pressing on you or you feel like there has been a lot against you or you've been letting the world tell you who you are, you just need to come to the Lord. You need to come to the altar and you just need to surrender and have that refining moment where you say, I'm all in, Jesus, and I'm not looking back. Oh, Father God. You are a good and holy and wonderful God. 
And we love you so much, Lord. And I pray that each and every person in this place would just feel your presence on their lives. Holy Spirit, just come down and do a work in us. Refine us, Lord. Refine us with your fire, your beautiful and holy fire, God. It's all about you, Jesus. And I just pray that each and every person would know their value, know their worth, know what you say about them.